Hey everybody, welcome to Bagging Broadcast, episode number 315. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 14th, 2016. And then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this time it's our monthly trade-in policy, and this one's actually brought to us by John, and this is Paper Girls, volume number one from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Cliff Chang. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I did, too. We talked about this book a while ago. I was trying to find the, the episode notes for it so I could uh, post it into this, but it's back when I took that sabbatical from doing mm. episode notes, so I think it was like 281. Yeah, it was like... that would have been our November look back. Yeah, it, I thought it was like right before or right after we visited you in uh, in Florida there, so that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's the one. Um, go through the feed; you can find it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, you can do what you want, uh, <laughs> but it, I think it's episode number 281. And uh, both liked by Chris and John. Not so much by Paul. Yeah, it, well, it was a sl- that first issue. Well, we'll talk about why <laughs> in in the trading policy. But first, we drink. We drink. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a beer that I've had once before. Um, I couldn't remember when, so I actually looked on my untap, and I had this back in October of 2014. Oh, you were such a young baby back then. I know. It's so fresh-faced and mm-hmm. bright-eyed. Um, and you guys actually had this on episode number 277, which was recorded September 25th, 2015, so last year. And this is Anderson Valley's Pinchy Jeek uh, Barrel. This is their Bourbon Barrel Pumpkin Ale. Oh, mm-hmm. this is a good one. Um, this is a good one, and I, I think I need to sit on this one a little bit longer. Or you should just visit us here in New York and just pick it up. A quote unquote fresh from Premiere because they have it from last year and they're selling it now. Um, it's got everything that you would want in a pumpkin beer or a bourbon barrel aged beer. I think it just needs a little bit more time for those flavors to kind of meld together. Um, it's good. It's it's not where it needs to be just yet. Because the last time I had this, I put it at four stars and I was like, okay, like. There we go, because I, I know I had it a long time ago. But yeah, it's, this is one I really like. And um, But oh. you made me sit on it for, because I bought it. Oh, that was the huge acre. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that there... one you sat on, and then didn't it get, like, heavier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Paul and I both had, I bought two bottles of it. Paul bought one bottle, and I, I drank my first bottle and was like, this is too big for any man to drink. Like, I actually did a little bit of legwork uh, before this episode because I wanted to find out which one you guys actually had it on. Mm. Uh, like I said, it's two seventy seven. And John, you actually said this was something that Caitlin really liked too, and she's someone that doesn't really like bourbon. Yeah, um, it's uh, we had it at the dry. We had it at the drive-ins, mm. and it was a little bit of a chill in the air because it was like their Tuesday special mm-hmm. night. So we went and watched Blade Runner and then 2001 in Space Odyssey afterwards. What a great pairing. Uh, so, <laughs> both great sci-fi movies. I guess. Uh, um, I wouldn't watch them back to back, though. Yeah. But besides the point. I, oh, I didn't. I left after Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd fall asleep. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was like, huh. um, one. But, uh, 
Yeah, it was something that it was really well balanced. It was perfect with that little bit of chill in the air. And to me, I was like, this is going to be top pumpkin beers because the way this kind of ginger snap, bourbony, brown, sugary thing going on with this pit of pumpkin, I loved it. Mm. I like how you described it, this pit of pumpkin. I like it. It's nice. Thank you. It's, it's good. I, I just need it to, like, deepen up a little bit. Um, it's almost got, like, a wateriness to it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, every... It kind of just washes over the tongue. And I, it's not what I expect from a beer that's at, like, 8.5%. Every year, things are always going to be a little different, especially barrel aging. Like, sometimes something is going to come out more from those barrels, and then yeah. you use a barrel if they use it again, or if, you, you know, they get a different kind of barrel... But for like a a nine dollar beer, like I, I'm happy with this purchase. Barrel staves, you can buy like uh, chopped up barrels and then age the beer with those staves and still call it a bourbon barrel aged beer, correct? I believe so. Yeah. So I wonder uh, if it that does, would... it does say on the bottle though, that it was actually aged in the well checky okay. bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. I wonder. So if... I think it's one of those things like if they say it's aged with or aged on, hmm. like. The bourbon barrels, like at that point, I'd say like maybe they're just using the wood from it. But I don't know. You know who I think should start aging their beers on wood? Producer Ooh. Scott. Mm. He does have space to do it. He does make his beer. But what are you guys drinking right now? Uh, we're bringing so- uh, we're drinking something that I brought to the table because uh, I-, I actually do really enjoy this series. From this brewery, I don't enjoy everything this is, this brewery does, but this series of beer, I'm down to try it. And it comes in the big meta. Uh, what is this? What pink? It's, it's pink. It, yeah, but what color pink? Glossy pink. I, see, I was thinking uh, Pepto Bismo like pink. Candy. Uh, Pepto Bismo pink. It's a little lighter than Pepto Bismo pink. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm colorblind, so <laughs> get the pink. Uh, Listeners are waiting with bated breath. What is this the is beer? The, this is the Rogue Brewery's Voodoo Donut series, and this is their Mango Astronaut Ale. Uh, last year, or a few months ago, or I don't know how long ago, because I don't do show notes. Like, uh, actually, Chris. you probably would have seen us have that right before we had that pumpkin one, because. That night at the drive-ins, I grabbed the lemon cruller because Caitlin was like, Paul raved about this. We should have it. Didn't like it as much as you. Ah. So if you listen... That one, I think, is actually in the show notes, though. I'm going to... Or if you look up the episode, have crawlers or send crawlers, please do, is in the episode title. Uh, This is the... This is mango-y deliciousness. And sorry, John, you're not getting any more of this. episode number 268. I'm finishing it. Uh, That's okay. That's fine, Paul. Because I'm home. I don't need to drive. Mm. You have a bed in your basement. I might stay. Uh, Also, episode number 268, we read the A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night book. And watched that movie, sort of. Uh, This beer is good. It has the right amount of mango. It has that crullery, donut-y feel to it. This would probably be my second favorite. Of the donut, the beers. chocolate peanut butter pretzel. The, I like no, that one. The honestly. peanut butter jelly, peanut butter banana jelly one. Oh, that's still probably my favorite because you got each flavor like it kind of hit mm-hmm. you all at once and then rounded out. See, that's out. number four for me. 
See, I like the pr- the pretzel one. I think I liked the least. Oh, see, I really like the pretzel on it, like that salty pretzel. I think yeah, you get, it like nailed that salty, like wheat. Yeah. See, you would think because uh, for the appetizer table at my Sorry. wedding was all like pretzels. Uh-huh. I don't like pretzels. <laughs> Uh, so you also don't like popcorn until it's like put in front of you. <laughs> I took a bite out of a pretzel and then just gave it to somebody walking by. I was like, "I'm the groom here. You eat this," and just <laughs> sent them on their way. Oh, isn't that a wonderful feeling? <laughs> like I sent somebody uh, at my wedding. I sent somebody to get me a piece of cake because I hadn't had any yet. I'm like, "Man, I haven't had a piece of, a piece of cake," and they're like, "You want me to get you some?" I'm like, "Yes, please do." <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, this would probably be. Probably somewhere between two or three. I like the lemon cruller. I thought that one was good. This one's good. They're both like got that sweet mm-hmm. fruit kind of thing to it, but it's not overpowering. On the nose, this oh. is a mango bomb of deliciousness. And uh, it's still there, it's still even there. with an empty cup. Yeah, you can smell it. It's it's really good. It's smell me smelling it, listeners. I will always I will always pick these smell up. Me smelling it. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I throw things out there just for episode titles. John's writing it down. Um, don't give him the peak. I don't like mangoes, but I like stuff that's mango flavored. Hmm. So this is something I'd be willing to try, especially because I do like the other Voodoo Donut beers. Um, for me, none of them have been completely knockout, but it's all something that I'm like always glad to try, and like I've I've enjoyed them. Yeah. See, uh, yeah, I'm always going to try these Voodoo series, and especially after the lemon chiffon or lemon crawl, honey crawler or whatever it was called, which was delicious, and now this mango. They're these two together are light, crisp, and they deliver on that fruit flavor, but still give you that sweetness, that sweet donut pastry kind of like just feeling, like John was saying before. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but Chris, what yes. else should I look forward to? Uh, you should look forward to the news that we talk about after we talk about beer. Yeah, we should okay. talk about I, some. I, I didn't know. It sounded like you were setting me up for the list, but you didn't. No, no, I set you up for the news. And what news do we have today? It didn't sound like he was you. setting you up for the list. Oh no, setting right? me off for the news. Is that what you said, Chris? Because I was getting beer. I, that's what, that's what it sounded like, but you have to do the news before we do the list. These weekday episodes are a little rough. <laughs> Not with all the drinking. Uh, so, my big news story is, of course... I thought we nixed all of your news <laughs> yes. stories. Deathstroke <laughs> being cast. And he's Brad from How I Met Your Mother. And the original Flash Thompson, which John told me about. And then I'm like, oh yeah, he is! Uh, he was also up for the role of Superman in Man of Steel. I see. He is a comedic actor to me because of my association with him and how I met your mother. Um, he's. I think he's been able to do everything. I think he's had some um, little darker roles. Um, he's married he, to or to uh, the girl from the one, uh, one woman from uh, Modern Family, Sophia. For Eric, for oh, that woman? Mm-hmm. Sophia. I'm sorry, Joe Mangiello. Joe Mangiello, that's the guy's name. Not Brad from How I Met Your Mother. That's not his name. 
Uh, That's that, his resume. That was him in the in the outfit for that test footage that we talked about last oh, week. Cool. Oh, really? <clears throat> That's yep. kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's been around. You know, he's someone who, uh, when I read that he was Flash Thompson, like, oh yeah, the guy's been around since two thousand one. Like he played a good bully. But uh, yeah, he, I don't know too much more. I know I think he was on like. Vampire Diaries or that True Blood or he was on one of those shows. I'm not a hundred. I've never watched any of those. Yeah, shows. I, I couldn't. True I, Blood, uh, Magic Mike XXL. He's in Pee Wee's Big Holiday as himself. I still haven't watched that. I haven't either. Uh, I'm on IMDb. I don't know this stuff. Um, he was in the original uh, Magic Mike. And back in the day, he was in ER. Wow. Okay, I think we're done talking about him. <laughs> Spider-Man Flash Thompson was the one of his first roles. But yeah, he um, he definitely uh, has the role. I'm wondering if they're going to... I mean, he's got like a little, little salt to his uh, beard and a little bit on his hair. I'd like to see him totally white. We didn't, we didn't get to see that with the arrow, dark side, not, or death... Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. Well, did they call him just Slade, or did they call him Deathstroke? I think they just called him Slade. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would like to see that just because, you know, I'm a bit of a purist in some aspects. But, uh, yeah, I think it's good casting. You can play it heavy. You see, I, I, well, I was reading through his list looking for his, like, heavy side, and I don't I, I, I don't see it. It just looks like a heavy, I well, guess. Well, I mean, none of us have watched Pee-wee's uh, Big Holiday yet, so we we don't know how dark he goes. Or True Blood. <laughs> he was in Scrubs, one episode, as Chad Miller. I heard he was a heavy in that. In the episode, Chad Miller. Or no, in the episode, My No Good Reason. See, I, feel, I know I've watched that episode because Scrubs used to be my office, hmm. but now the office is my Scrubs. I see. So I haven't rewatched Scrubs in a while. I can only get up to the one where the nurse... The, the heavy set nurse is dying, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah, I'm done. Too much feels. Well, Paul, you can just watch the episodes after that. Then you yeah, the whole new show. But I'm and like, she's yeah. just a background character, so you don't really <laughs> miss her. I know, but it's like at that point, I'm like, do I actually enjoy watching this show, or do I enjoy watching all the sh- episodes before this? And I'm like, yeah, I enjoy all the episodes before this. Speaking of Ben Affleck's uh, Batman, <laughs> oh, we've also yes. gotten uh, actor Ryan Potter, who's known for voicing um, Hero in Big Hero 6, the Disney movie. Uh, awesome Disney movie. <laughs> haven't seen it yet. He came out to say that it's he... It's really good, Paul. <laughs> it is really good. Derailing! <laughs> he would really like to play Tim Drake... In um, in the movie, oh, yeah, and he had the uh, live action shot uh, film thing. <laughs> <laughs> live action, he did like did karate like in front of a camera. Yep. <laughs> uh, so he came out last week when they showed the uh, Deathstroke. Uh, yeah, Deathstroke. Got me all like I'm all not hot and bothered, but I'm like all like flustered, discombobulated. Uh, he came out to say he wanted to do that, and then this week we got like a test footage uh, that he shot himself with friends doing a little parkour, jumping around, kicking some dudes, knocking uh, about four or five guys out, 
and uh, really well done. Yeah, I I would definitely like to see him as Tim Drake if they ever do cast that. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that quick little bit of footage. I think it was only like 30 seconds long, but it's really action-packed. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, even Paul saw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we talked about talking about this, I guess he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay attention. Uh, the video with the guy karate chopping? <laughs> yeah. I'm an old man. <laughs> I am an old man. Uh, he sounds exactly like me. <laughs> uh, now you talk again and see if I, uh, listeners can tell us apart. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Everyone, I'm not going to do I it. I think I'm everyone tra- knows. I'm trying to find my other bit of news that I had. Chris, did we... Oh, um... And then uh, Spider-Man news, we got a little um, leaked footage of the Shocker to see his costume for uh Yeah, I was Spider-Man looking online Home with this, uh, for this, and I didn't see it. Well, here, I will show you it. Yeah, I, I saw a screenshot. Like, I don't know if it was actual footage, but I saw the picture of it, and I was like, yeah, it looks like a live-action Shocker. Is it? Is it? Does he look like he's quilted? A little bit. It's not the best picture, but... And it does come from, like, Marvel News. Okay. So, from Marvel News? He doesn't look that quilted. He looks he's got, more spandexy. No, he's lo- he's not spandexy. He's very loose-looking. But it does have, like, you can see in this picture, like, he's got the diamonds. He's got the diamonds, but I'm saying those diamonds don't look soft and padded. All right. Well, I don't think it has it to be. doesn't look squeezable sharp. <laughs> squeezable really soft. <laughs> These weekend days. These weekend days. It's just hard it's for you. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Weekdays are just tough for me, all right? Uh, and I think, um, what, we only had one other bit of bit of news? Oh, you're talking about me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in a recent interview, comic book writer Alan Moore has announced that he is retiring once he wraps up everything that he's working on now. Um, this is... I think like the second or third time he said he's done with comic books. Uh, in the interview, he said he only has probably about another 250 pages left in him of writing, and he's just tired of what comic books have become. Um, and he uses Batman as the example of it. And <clears throat> I quote, I'm not going to do an Alan Moore voice mm. because I don't sound grumbly enough for it. you got to take but, like all the good comic books you ever wrote and just stick them up your ass to do it. <laughs> Uh, what he says is, I'm sure there's probably a very good reason for hundreds of thousands of adults who are flocking to see the latest adventures of Batman, but I, for one, am a little dark in for what the reason is. The superhero movies, characters that were invented by Jack Kirby in the 1960s or earlier, I have a great love for those characters, as they were to me when I was a 13-year-old boy. They were brilliantly designed and created characters, but they were for 50 years ago. I think that this century needs, deserves its own culture. It deserves artists that are actually going to attempt to say things that are relevant to the times we are actually living in. It's a long-winded way of me saying I am really, really sick of Batman. Fuck him. Wow. No, like, he goes off saying, like, I don't understand why people like superhero comic books. It's because of the, like, shit that he did in the 80s that reinvigorated it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to use Batman as kind of, like, your template for, like, oh, this is what's wrong with comic books... Take a look at your own body of work, right? Like, if you're saying how they don't matter anymore and they need to be brought back, that's what you did in the '80s. That's the story that's continued on. Not only that, like, write something like uh, what is it, top ten, mm-hmm. where you pepper in 
superheroes into every little page. Like, well, the the argument is the artist did that as well too. That you know, yeah. They, but you mm-hmm. you look at like what an Alan Moore writes. Mm-hmm. He writes every little detail on the page, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while, an artist might have have the ability to pop something in. But okay, that guy is and, like. No, it's exactly how I've said the frame looks and does, and then the artist just fills in from there. And I'm sorry, if you're going to come off and say how you don't understand why people like comic books because they were created for 13-year-olds, everything that he's been doing now is based off of some sort of other property, whether it's like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which he does have another one of those in him because he's going to finish that up before he retire retires again his Lost Girls graphic novel that he did where it was about, was it Wendy, Alice, and then someone else. Snow White or something? There's like some other like fable character that goes on like an adventure, like all exploring their sexuality together. He, the gravy train that goes to his house is based off of him taking characters that have existed for years and years and years before and then putting a little bit of a different spin on it. Fuck him. Oh, he does retire. His beard eats him. <laughs> his beard just needs to suck the rest of his life out of his cold, dead heart. I, the one Alan Moore story that I have enjoyed was V for Vendetta, but even that gets a little up its own butt. It does. That gets up its own butt. And, and even Watchmen, if he's going to attack other comic books like based off of superheroes, that was meant to be something using the old Charlton uh, yeah. comic book characters. And that was get over on. yourself, Alan Moore. Fuck you. I couldn't. I couldn't get like I own it. Do I own it? No. What? I borrowed Watchmen. I know. I see. Read I think Watchmen. Watchmen is better than V for Vendetta. Ugh, v for Vendetta is a lot of work to read. See, I enjoy. Every it. time I said that, like my eyes kept going back uh-huh. and forth. Like that's a lot of lot of thing to read. See, I think that's a more complete story than Watchmen is, which ending. I know people are, you know, get upset about the ending of the movie because they change it up a little bit, but the ending of that comic book is just as lazy. I, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. You know, oh no, I mean, tying the, it in from the, the very thing beginning. I like the most about the movie is it, it the ending for the movie makes more sense than the ending for the comic book. They were t- spoilers for Watchmen. <laughs> uh, no, he was tying it in from the very beginning with the day with the, in the background, the day that the Earth stood still was the movie showing. So much to the point where Keanu Reeves' reboot, I thought was a joke <laughs> because Watchmen was coming out, the movie. I'm like, oh, it's a it's like a tie-in. Like, I saw posters for it, and I'm like, oh, it's a tie-in to Watchmen. No, it wasn't. That The Keanu Reeves, the day the Earth stood still, actually happened. Yeah, it was really bad. I, I will. Never I know watch I movie. saw it, but I don't remember actually watching it. Um, yeah, it's it, it's like driving through Wyoming. You know, you did it, but you don't remember it. It's somebody who's made his. It's like, uh, it's somebody who like who's played football their whole life, made millions of dollars off of it, and it was like, ah, football's for queers and steers or you know just something you know <laughs> something so bizarre to say and you're like well yeah. are you a steer then like no well you okay know, like, it's, it's just like, like somebody that played football their entire career and said oh now football isn't a man sport anymore because of all the passing and he played wide receiver <laughs> like thank you i don't really know football terms do they wide say receivers are the catchers mm-hmm. the they say that about steers no, 
Is that Texas? That is, that's what the one drill sergeant says in the uh, full metal jacket. Which is another crater that I don't understand, but he's dead. Stanley Kubrick. Don't understand the fascination with Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I don't know. I was never a big fan. Makes really great movies. We got we got hot takes here. <laughs> John, Chris is saying F off to Alan Moore. Paul doesn't understand Stanley Kubrick. And John is just like, yeah, yeah. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. But what books are you going to be taking home from the comic book shop in this week's picks for the list? Paul, you name yours because Chris and I are doing the same book. I'm going with a trade. Ooh. Because today's a trade and policy day. So mm. I'm staying on theme. Uh, I'm picking up uh, Nickelodeon's produced or distributed by Dark Horse Comics, Avatar of the Last Airbender, Volume 13, North-South, Part 1. This is something that we have done in a trade and policy before, uh, trade a Avatar of the Last Airbender book. I've read two of them so far, and this is something that I'm like, oh, I should really just keep on picking these up, because they are the animated series continued. They're a lot of fun, so I'm going to pick up this one. I know I haven't read volume 12, 11, 10, 9, <laughs> a whole slew of them, but this is part one, so but in a way, I'll catch up. In a way, you don't... Do I really need you don't I don't think you ultimately would need to. Mm-hmm. There might be some things that oh, they made a reference or their character pops up. But if it's following those characters that you loved from that cartoon, like it should just feel like old hat. Yeah. And yeah, it felt I, like I think for not reading those, you'll still be caught up. Like they'll have some sort of panel or something that'll get you up to speed. Yeah. Is it Ang? Is it Zuko? Is it Sokka? Is it uh Katara. I was going to say hair loopy girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Okay, cool. Do I have Toph? I'm really hoping so. They don't mention Toph, so I'm a little nervous. Because hmm. Toph makes that first se- that Season 2, when Toph shows up, that series becomes a series that I really enjoy to a series I love. I, I keep she's in it. I keep threatening uh-huh. my, uh, my wife to making her watch the first... Original oh. trilogy of Airbender, sure. because I'm watching Legend of Korra every morning before work, and she catches I, like fifteen, maybe fifteen, ten minutes of it, and she's just like, I don't, I don't understand any of this, and I'm like, you don't understand how good this is. Uh, when my wife Kate is being really stubborn, I call her an Earthbender. Mm. Um, Paul, I don't want to crush any dreams here, mm-hmm. but for, and this is just looking at the covers. Uh, the cover for number one just has Aang, Sokka, and Katara on it. Mm-hmm. But then for number two, it does have Toph. So oh, she'll so. probably at least be present. But it looks like it's all about... Yeah, the uh, uh, Northern Water Tribe. The Southern Water Tribe. Uh, yeah, the Southern... Is it? Yeah, the Northern... No, the Southern Water Tribe. That's... No, it looks like um, they're bringing the two, the two tribes together. Okay, yeah, but they go back home to the Southern Water Tribe. To the Dagobah system. Dagobah. Uh, Dagobah. Dagobah? Baby feeds. No. So, what are you guys talking about, Chris? Um, well, the book I'm looking forward to, and the book that John is also looking forward to, is coming out from DC Comics, and this is Doom Patrol, number one, written by Gerard Way, with art by Nick Darrington, and this is part of their new Young Animals line. That Gerard Way, writer of uh, Umbrella Academy, Simon Butka, <clears throat> and uh, Fabulous Killjoys. 
yeah, uh, Danger, Danger Days, Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, uh, is heading up. And I have never cared about Doom Patrol, but I like Umbrella Academy enough to say that, okay, let's, let's see what this guy's got. And I've liked Doom Patrol. I have probably four, maybe five trades. After that, it gets a little crazy with the um, uh, Grant Morrison craziness. Yeah. I got one trade into Doom Patrol with the Grant Morrison-ness of it all, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I, I, um, and I've gone back and I've gotten back issues of the stuff previous to that. Uh, the Grant Morrison stuff is the better of those, but it is something that I've enjoyed the, I enjoyed the craziness of it, and there, as crazy as it was, it still had a thread of a story going through it, and I'm actually really, really, really interested in seeing a writer like Gerard Way take control of Doom Patrol because I think that he can bring crazy to it, but deliver it in a way that is really good and he doesn't just fun crazy, which yeah. is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and like uh, I mean, when you handed me Umbrella Academy, Chris, I you know I was just like I love I love this book. This is written for me. So Doom Patrol Umbrella Academy is so just crazy and out there, and you're basically jumping in at the end of the story like this is kind of the where are they now but it doesn't matter that you don't know what happened before because it's still so just accessible and, and he makes you care and i think he can do that with like just a snap with doom patrol because you might have an idea of who these characters are because they have popped up here or there even in cartoons they've been still out there um, and I think this is something that he can do a great job. And because of my love for Umbrella Academy, I'm like, oh, man, him doing Doom Patrol? I can't wait. And I've been just sitting here waiting <laughs> week after week after week until this book comes out. And I think it's weird. Like, the cover is like a chalupa or a burrito. Uh, it's, a, it's a euro. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a euro? Not yes. even the right type of <laughs> like, you take a legion of food. Um, no, the only reason I know it's a euro it's because in the uh, solicitation information for this, they say it's a euro, and that the euro itself is actually oh, a sticker. That's a euro on the cover, and you can pull it off and reveal like stuff underneath it. Mm. Ah, so I need to go buy an actual this book in print. Yes, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Gerard Way, I'm a My Chemical Romance fan, and I think he does amazing comic book work. And I'm not familiar with Nick Darrington, who's on art. But I'm at his website right now, nickdarrington.com, and he was actually the lead animator on the A Scanner Darkly uh, film. Hmm. And he's done a bunch of other comic book stuff, too. He did some of the Catwoman stuff um, with, I want to say it was Ed Brubaker that was writing it. Uh, He did, like, some posters for... Oh, my God, why am I blanking on the name? It's Escape from... um, Escape from New York, like the comic book for that. He, he's got like a cool style, and at times it reminds me a little bit of Darwin Cook, just like the color palettes that he uses and just kind of like the pulpiness of it. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Me too. 
hey, we'll be talking about it next month or end of this month, whenever we do look back. We will. And uh, oh, I got a Google Doc open. I can tell you. <laughs> And it would be episode uh, 318, and that would be uh, probably released about uh, October 2nd-ish. Don't hold us to that, though, because mm. things change. Uh, and something that doesn't change is my love for clown shoes barrel-aged beers. Yes. Anything that they produce in a bomber-sized ba- ba- uh, bomber bottle, I'm going to pick up. Uh, very true. And I saw this, and I said, oh, yeah, I need to have the Archdruid. This is an Irish Imperial Red Ale aged in Irish whiskey barrels. Okay. This tastes like a sour to me. It has a sour note. Uh, yeah, I get the sour, too. I'm like, it's, it's got a it's tart a sour. It's a tart sour. I don't get the the whiskey, though. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay. I thought uh, it was just me being... It's still really good, weekday, though. Paul. And for an Irish red, this is like... Cloudy? Amber, cloudy, mm-hmm. so unfiltered. I like it's really bizarre because we've had that the red ale aged in bourbon barrels, um, the T Rex one. Oh yeah, Rex, I think it's just called Imperial Rex. Rex. Yeah, it's just Rex. Uh, that beer out of this world, delicious. Mm-hmm. This beer nine ninety nine. Need to buy that bottle again. <laughs> uh, it's there. It's at Premier. I can see it on the shelf right now. It's a nine percent. Like having a beer mirage. It's a nine percent beer uh, for nine ninety nine. It is still good, but yeah, I'm on the nose, not liking it. It's just it's it's that peat moss. Yeah. Well, peat moss is a note from, from Irish, Irish whiskeys. Like, and I think people buy Irish whiskeys. Or the peat moss of and it I, all. I yeah. can't say aside. I can't say that any time we've actually had a Irish whiskeyed aged beer. Uh, yeah, we we've uh, done yeah. one from uh, what's, Innocent Gun. Innocent Gun. Thank you. Yes, yeah, there. Uh, is that that's yeah. aged in their St. Patty's Day one? Yeah, the one that they released. Yeah, I don't know if we had it multiple times, but I know we had it, mm-hmm. and we really like that. See, one. I think that one is a. I think that's a stout that they age in the whiskey barrel. I think it is an Irish Irish stout aged in whiskey. Maybe. Yes. I believe that is what it is. <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to think, because it was something weird. It was like a... I do like any I think it's gun. a... I think it's an Irish whiskey aged in a scotch barrel. It's an Irish stout aged in a scotch barrel. Well, maybe. It's delicious. It is delicious, but I Anderson think Gun is delicious. Yeah, I drank two forties of those. They have. Uh, I sent you that. They have a dark ale aged in bourbon barrels right now. Yeah, I get that too. Of bourbon. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's good, but it's so not what I was expecting at all. I don't like. I liked it. Like I was rating it on tap, and then I like knocked it down a few pegs after I read the label. Because I'm like, oh, this is a really nice tart. A really yeah. nice sour. This is a sour age, right? Read the label. Imperial Red Aged in Whiskey Barrel. No, and that's just, not what this is. Yeah, it just says Red Ale Aged in Irish Whiskey I'm like barrels. thinking it's an Imperial Sour. Because I'm feeling that 9%. I don't know. And like, 
the clown shoes, you got to give it up to him. It's a guy dressed as like a druid. He's got like a tree horns. He's got a scepter. Mm-hmm. And he's in the middle of a river riding a bunch of dead leprechauns mm-hmm. down the river. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very Halloween-esque. Yeah. It's like he's a he's a druid, not a warlock. Yeah. Right, Chris? I'm a warlock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we, are, we, are we talking about World of Warcraft again? Cause no, no I was... Warlock up to 110 the other day, so I'm excited about that. Wow. I haven't played World of Warcraft in, like, two months. Because... Nerd. Oh, wait, no. That's well, no, no, works. no, because I've been playing a different game, Paul trying to get certified in his job. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's easier to hit 110 on your Warlock. It is so much easier. <laughs> 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 then getting stupid certifications. That made me laugh online. a lot, Chris. Because I could tell. Ugh, it's so awful. It is the grindiest of grinds. Uh, but do you, I don't know where you're trying to point me with all this. Well, I, warlock. Like, in case you wanted to talk about you drinking a warlock recently. Oh, okay. I, I see. Huh? Oh, huh? Well, now in retrospect, that was really well done. <laughs> Much like this year's warlock from Southern Tier Brewery. Um, I had a bottle. I wound up drinking it the other day because why it's wouldn't delicious. I? It's delicious. Um, and John, like we talked about this a little bit. I think it was off the show, but you weren't a big fan of this year's Warlock, and I, I think it's just the regular Warlock. Um, well, no, I, I explained that I had two bottles of this. One bottle I really liked. I sat around a fire with some friends and drank it and thought it was great. And then after putting it in my refrigerator for a week, I brought it out, and the second bottle I had of it, um, there was, like, really big just alcohol on it. But I found that some beers that I really like, and then I put it in my fridge, I think my fridge is too cold, and it just kind of fucks with the beer. Because mm-hmm. so, the, the Warlock I had, it was room temperature. Um, it was sitting in my my beer cabinet. Um, it, it still had everything that I like from Warlock. And then also pumpkin, like they're still just great solid beers. Uh, I definitely plan on drinking a lot more of them this year. I haven't seen if they're doing the Rum King yet. Yes, they are. They are okay because mm-hmm. that's one that I'd like to have more of. Because I think I only had like the one bottle of it, like the other year when it, like it first came out. Um, they just put a picture up on Facebook or Instagram, and it was just like beer pumping through a tube, and it said like. Rum Kings being made. Nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be released during their inaugural inaugural Pumpkin Fest. Weekday, Paul. Yeah, uh, which is the September twenty fourth. So not this Saturday, next Saturday, which I definitely want to go. And if I don't go to that, I'm definitely going to that Holiday Valley Beer Fest. That's that I will do an overnight at. Uh, yeah, I think I should be able to manage that. The Holiday Valley one you send sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Anywho, no, I'm going to... Uh, sorry. Yeah, not that I'm not fully into um, what we do over here at the Big Boardcast, but I'm looking at the full menus for the Epcot Food and Wine Festival this year, and there's some good-looking stuff. Ooh. Hey, hey, hey. Save that Disney-ish stuff for your other podcast. Go ahead and plug here. That would be Parks and Rec. You can follow us over at parksandrec.com. New and, episode coming out sometime this week. We have to record it still. So. Yeah, and it's if you be our our head to head episode uh, huh. with Jurassic Park River Adventure versus Splash Mountain. Oh, two rides that are full of nope. 
two rides that Paul won't go on, but you know they're they're good water drop rides. I went if on your, if that's your thing. I went on the one. I did not go on the other. <laughs> John, did sidebar? Did you go on that one? The, the Jurassic uh, Park. Jurassic Park one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jurassic Park versus I'm sorry, which one? I I, I saw Splash. this on on Splash, Splash Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Splash Mountain. Yeah. Um, Jurassic Park, I like. It's longer, but I I like Splash Mountain. Okay. Good but to I've, know. I've been on Splash Mountain twice, and there was like eight years in between the two times that I went on it, and I only went on Jurassic Park once, but I waited in line for 45 minutes one time and then just left for Jurassic Park. Because yeah. there was like a thunderstorm, like a lightning storm warning. Over. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as there's any mention of lightning, things just shut down if it's outside here. But yeah, hey, if it's something you want to do, go ahead and cast your vote over at parksandrec.com. Just find the show notes for episode number 23, I think. has the link to it in there. Hmm. And they can become hmm. a uh, Patreon like me. They can, and thank you. You're welcome. But now what time is it? Now it's time for a dramatic reading. And now... A dramatic reading from Saga 34, page 23, panel 4. But what are you doing here? You never come on weekends. What? <laughs> <laughs> he was well, making <laughs> spider noises, and he, I think he did a pretty good job. Well, to be honest, I've been thinking a lot about why you showed me the other day. Hazel, I'm very worried. What might happen if anyone else found out the truth about you? That was a dramatic reading from Saga number 34, page 23, panel 4. I put a great spider voice. The second one was me. That was better. (laughs) (laughs) I also tried to get the chattering of my teeth as the spidery noise, because that's spider noise, right? Paul, I know the I know the answer. Does reading this panel make you want to read Saga? You know what? Actually, it does not. <laughs> does reading Paper Girls make you want to read Saga? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Does pa- that'll throw us in the main topic. So, John, this is a uh, one because it's baby. a good segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we reviewed this uh, as Chris said. We reviewed it. You reviewed it probably almost a year ago. First. First issue. First issue. I, Which I didn't realize this book came out that long ago. Well, um, he goes. He puts his books on a little bit of hiatuses just to give, I think, the artist a little time to break, to do what they need to do, and to give himself a break and not burn himself out trying to just streamline these books. And um, I have never had a problem with him doing that with Saga. Mm-hmm. I felt like... You know, I'm always super amped when I see the books coming back out. So I think it's fine that he takes a little bit of these hiatuses during his books, as long as he's continuing to pump out great books like Saga and uh, Paper Girls. But uh, having read that first issue, I loved it. And I thought Chris was going to pick up on it, keep picking it up. And I think it was at a time when, Chris, when you were cutting books and you never got around to picking it up. Which meant yeah, because 
I, I know I love number one, but I think this is one of those things that just kind of got lost in the shuffle because I picked it up for the look back, and this was for October 2015, so last year, and I think we talked about it a little bit late because uh, it wasn't actually in the October 2015 look back episode, which makes me think it, we did it for November. Yeah, which happens for us. Yeah, we, we read a lot of comic books, and we, we talk a lot. Um, uh and it, it got lost in the shuffle between the two of us. And it was something that I kept wanting to go back to. I thought you were buying the issues, so it's like, oh, I'll just read them when Chris gets them all. And then it's like, oh, he never bought them? What a jerk. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, and then it came out that um, Paper Girls was not only like the Eisner Awards, but also was up for the Harvey Awards. Hmm. Won both... both he, they won new series and then cliff chang won best artist and best cover artist i think cover artist for harvey's <laughs> I, I can't imagine why because his artwork's absolutely beautiful oh, really good, man. and uh he won best artist for paper girls and it was also up for best writer it was also up for just best ongoing series and chris you and i had talked briefly about using the eisner awards and um like some of the other award for comic books to start pulling our lookbacks from because obviously some of them are books that we haven't been reading and maybe we should yeah. and everybody's saying these are award-winning books uh so why not see do- I, I like years when we used to buy a lot more comic books and we would pick up pretty much everything and then when it would show up on the eisner list we'd be like we knew it we called it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Man, would we lived with parents and just have crazy <laughs> amounts of income to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not spending it on bedroom sets. <laughs> uh, little known fact, Chris and I used to have a competition of who would spend more money at the comic book shop. And it'd be like, I spent $80, I spent 95 I will tell you, there were no winners. <laughs> the comic book shop owner was the winner in that competition. Yeah. As soon as he guys stopped going, he closed his business. <laughs> that should um, say something. I, I bought a lot of crap. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And t No, literally. I mean, I bought a lot of like terrible comic books. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so this is by a couple of our fan favorite art, uh, writers and artists. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, we love him just from his work. John Saga, Paul... Why the Last Man. Um, he was also one of the first comic book writers that we kind of got into when we first started reading comic books again, John. With, with the, the hood. hood. And then I, he really came out of my radar in a big way with Marvel's Runaways, too. Yeah, that's my first impression was Marvel's Runaways. And then Why the Last Man. I, did not, I read The Hood because you passed them off to me. And, you know, it's a dark and grimy Max book. And I was like, eh, you know, it's just not for me. That was before you even knew who Brian K. Vaughn yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. Would you mind go? would you go back and reread that? You know what? I probably should. You know, it took me. I have. I, Chris, I, started, have, Watch, I started Watchmen talking about dark and gritty books. Uh, and it. I think it was like three or four years in between beginning to a certain scene in Watchmen and being like, nope, I don't care about this book. And me then going back and being like, well, everybody loves it, so let me get through it. And me reading the last part of Watchmen. Chris, do you still have that in issues? I do not. No? 
No. I still have He's it. moved like eight different states. Yes. That's <laughs> like, the purge. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. I, I imagine you can probably find that pretty cheap now, because, I mean, that's a book that came out in, like, 2000 I have, or 2001. I, have, I still have it in issues, so I can pass it on. To Chris, I, prob- I can press it on to Paul and then pass it on to you, Chris. Or I could buy Marvel Unlimited for one month and just read them all and then cancel Marvel Unlimited. Or I could just give you my issues because they're oh, sitting yeah. out because I, I have them sitting out because I just oh. recently read them. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that will be a look back. Who knows? Yeah, or a trade, trade and policy. Yeah, or a trade and policy. Yeah, that's what we call it. <laughs> Weekday, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. But we... we uh, we can all appreciate Brian K. Mont, even if we don't like all of his books. And then Cliff Chang, we actually got to talk to him. I want to say it was episode 120 or 121, uh, live from the Boston Comic Book Convention. Um, he's a fantastic artist. I liked him way back when DC did the Infinite Crisis crossovers because uh, he was on the Spectre book. And then, Paul, you were a big fan of him over at one of your favorites with Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a really nice interview, too. And definitely check that episode out, because that's probably the best I've ever done on a podcast <laughs> ever, is just asking him questions. Yeah, and it was yeah, a good... You're, it was, you're in your element. You love that guy. It was yeah. a good interview, too, and he was so open. Mm-hmm. Like, he was sketching, and a lot of times when you interview people and they're sketching, they're still working through it. And Cliff Chang was one of those people who was... When he heard what you were asking, stopped yeah. drawing to be like, "That's a good question. I'm going like, to I'm going to take time to answer you with this." That's that's when I know I actually did well. <laughs> is when the artist stops drawing. Like Scotty Young did it a couple times. I'm like, got a good question. And most of my questions, Scotty Young just kept on sketching. Cliff Chang, though, every once I, I like I had like four good questions where he stopped. Scotty Young, I only had two. So listen to my Scotty Young. <laughs> and then listen to my uh, Cliff Chang interview in that episode. And you can tell the difference. You can um, tell the difference. <laughs> I, I just did the legwork. If you want to pick up the hood over on Comixology, they have the single issues for one ninety nine each. It's only six issues, so I mean 12 oh. bucks for basically what equates to a trade. Not a bad price for this book. No, it's not. But we're not talking about that trade. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the uh, volume one, one through five that I got for seven ninety nine on Comixology. Uh, not bad. No, in this. Um, and if you do want to buy this in like actual paperback at a brick and mortar store, it's only nine ninety nine. Well, that's not bad. And if you follow the link in the show notes for this episode to Amazon, you can find it for six bucks. Who published it? Is it Vertigo? Uh, this is from Image. Image. Oh. The image is great with those first trades, man. Yeah, they get you. Hooked. They're pretty good. The only people they're they're really good with prices. DC, I don't know what they're really their prices on physical copies are because they used to put everything out in hardback, so it'd be mm-hmm. really pricey, and then put it out in paperback a little bit later. Marvel is insane with these prices uh, for their trades. Yeah. For their trades, I'm not paying fucking. Wow, everybody's dropping the F-bomb. But hey, we've already done it once. We can do it as many times as I'm we sorry. want. Chris did it three times. Alan Moore's the worst. <laughs> Marvel drives me insane with their trade their trade prices. Did and they drive like, you an F insane? Or yeah, just insane? because it's like five issues for like 17 to 19.99. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, Paul. You tell me that's not ridiculous. Do they give you back material? No, they give you nothing. <laughs> they give you nothing. <laughs> Listeners, they give you nothing. Nothing. Not even the letter columns. 
But what Paper Girls gives you is a fantastic story. (laughs) They give you the news. Uh, This book takes place back, what, in the 80s? Yeah. 1988. And uh, it's four girls who meet up. Three of them are already friends who decided they're going to team up as Paper Girls on the night, the morning morning after uh, after Halloween Mm -hmm. to deliver papers. Because there's always going to be some roustabouts out there. It's fresh in my mind because I explained the story to Kate, like, just yesterday. Because I'm like... You'll really like this. I keep telling my I keep telling my wife that she's going to like it because she loved Why for Why Last Man mm-hmm. and Saga. Uh, Has she watched Stranger Things? No. Oh, she's okay. she's refused to watch it. There's a big difference between this book and Why the Last Man, and we'll talk about that when we get to me being Paul, uh, the artist and the colorist. Uh, but no, no, no. There's a big difference. No, that, Go that, ahead. That's it's a big just, difference. So let's keep on describing what the book is. Uh, and these girls team up together, are accosted by some mutant-type creatures. Well, first, it's one girl that's on her own, new in town. I just talked about the girls meeting up. Yeah, but they're accosted not by mutants, but first by just bullies. random bullies. That's how they meet up. And then... The other group, they split up into two smaller groups, one of which is accosted by some sort of weird mutant boys. They're teens from the future. Yeah. Well, those are spoilers. Yeah, well, obviously, we're discussing I know, books. but we, yeah, we always say that during mm-hmm. that when we start spoiling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as anyone does. Uh, so, yeah, it's a crazy time travel parental older, you know, kids versus the adults crazy book. Uh, I don't want to give too much away with this. I really want people to read it because every twist and turn that comes around with this Brian K. Vaughn book, I did not see coming. In But that, he, that's what he's good at. I think that's what got him the job on Lost. Exactly. Okay. Then let me jump in with the thing that I was teasing earlier. Every single, like, last panel of the issue that's supposed to hit you hard like we're just like you we're teenagers i'm like wah wah (laughs) like i felt okay it's okay but it's like a little bit like too heavy-handed cliffhangery like i'm like bkv is trying to bkv himself a little too much but maybe that's because I'm reading it in a trade where I'm so used to reading, like, Why the Last Man and, like, <clears throat> issues and then in trade later. I like you're like, Why the Last Man and I never really read anything <laughs> else by him, so Why the Last Man? Well, Runaways I read only in trades. <clears throat> and that, but, like, like, the cliffhanger, like, last panel for each of the cliffhangers, I just felt were a little, like, too heavy-handed to it. Maybe, no, this is probably it. It's because I'm actually looking at the panel as a whole page, digital, versus it being like the last panel being just part of a page. Maybe. Maybe yeah. that's it. Where I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of screen time just for this one line. We're teenagers. <laughs> and I'm like, but Paul, uh, he does the exact same thing in Why the Last Man, too, though. Right, right. But I'm thinking it might be just because I'm reading it differently now. Like, I, like, you know, versus, 
like he does the last he does the same thing but for whatever reason it hit me more on why the last man maybe because that last panel was only a panel versus the whole screen i want to say he's always done the big like final page like splash panel like i want to say that's almost like one of his signature things i i like i have to say like when he finishes an issue of saga it is oh my god i can't wait for the next issue of saga because he leaves you on this note where you're like they killed that guy that happened that dude did that they're doing this are they gonna find him wait till next month or <laughs> wait four months when the hiatus is over <laughs> did he see i We're never going got... back to earth bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that's, I... that's from the final page of uh why the last man volume two with the astronauts yeah it's the exact same thing like <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry paul this that's kind of his thing. Like, yeah, I know it's his before thing. Before that, it ends with Yorick pointing a gun mm-hmm. at um his uh, what's his sister's name? Hero. Yes. And she's just saying, "Do it, please." Mm-hmm. The thing is, for whatever reason, that hit me harder there versus it here. Like, and, and you're you're saying it's because of how it might your be, new reading habit is. Maybe it's because of my new reading habit, or maybe I just wasn't as tied into these characters as I was with Why the Last Man. May, I don't know which is which. You know, I'm I'm still trying to guess, like, weigh that. And, and if it is all splash panels or splash pages, Chris, then maybe it is because I didn't have that affinity for Do you have it set so it, like, does, like, the splash page? When I'm borrowing your books, I am reading it panel by panel because I'm on my phone. When I'm reading my own books, I read it by the page because I have it on my tablet. So why don't you just do it on your tablet? Yeah, that's how I read it. My tablet app, it's... I can't... It, it's really hard to change accounts. Really? Yeah. I don't have any problem. I, and I, I read this entire thing on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I read panel by panel on phone. I do, too. I read panel by panel, and then the last the last panel goes full page. Yeah. Well, every panel's, like, full page when I swipe. Over. No, no, no. Like, when I do the last panel on, like, page seven, it then gives me the whole page. Okay. So then I can see it all and then swipe to start page eight at panel one. Hmm. Okay. Well, this is like, <laughs> nobody cares about... Is this a weird our- Paul Nietzsche thing that... Like, yeah. I, underst- I understand that you're... Basically, what you're saying is that last panel... Leave it, let, it, it, go ahead. Let me, let me say how you're doing this, and then you'll be like, yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> you're saying is... The same writer, same tactics is Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. You were reading that physical copy, seeing the whole page, and finishing that issue or trade, and then turning the page and being like, I'm starting the, the next issue. I'm so excited to start the next issue. You're with doing panel to panel with your new way of reading, mm-hmm. which is digitally. Mm-hmm. You're now not as invested into that book by doing panel to panel because you're not reading it the same way. Maybe. And, and that's what I'm trying to figure out, wh- whether it's that, the new medium, or if it's the book itself. And that's all I'm saying. And I, th- and- I think it might be the the new medium, honestly. Okay. 
I've like, been kind of having this moment where I kind of want to go back to physical copies. I've read like three trades just recently that I hadn't read physical? before in physical, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like having these pages. But that's the thing. Like, there's some books that mm-hmm. I will still just pick up in that physical. Like with the Fables trades that came out, like those I buy physical. The Invincible trades, I buy that all physical. That's how I read that book. I'm a huge fan of Invincible, but I only read it by the trade because I go back and constantly reread it. And when I made the jump from physical copy to trade paperback, that's one that I'm like, no, I I want this on my shelf. I want this to be something that's readily available. Like, I can't fall asleep at night. I'm going to reach, grab a book off my shelf. Hey, it's Invincible Volume 12. I'm going to start reading this. Yeah, I'm the same way, Chris. Like, I've really, I enjoy reading physical copies in bed over digital copies. It just doesn't feel right reading it on my phone or a tablet. I like having that physical copy, and it, it helps. that helps me go to sleep versus looking at a screen. That's crazy, because I was just thinking this last night, because I have the Martian, uh, you know, in actual book form that I got for Christmas, and I'm like, oh, I wish it was on my phone, because I would <laughs> read it in bed, because I read, I read, like, three books right in a row. Like, I read, uh, Ready Player One, Armada, and then uh, Seven Eves, right in a row because they they were on my phone. And now that I got this other book that I'm really excited to read, but it's in physical format, I'm like, see, oh, I love having like a physical copy of a book. I gotta have next, a light on next to me at my bedstand, and then I like I I roll over, I plug my phone in, uh-huh. I take that physical copy, and I sit and I read like it, right. physical copy book or comic book. Mm-hmm. I, I see. I would need the light on, and then I'm waking up the wife, and you know how that is. Yeah, no, I still have the light on. I tell her to go fuck herself. <laughs> uh, derailed, derailed by Paul. Since we're derailed, let's go into our last beer, Paul. Mm. And this is oh, sh- something sure to get us derailed because of all the bourbon. Mm. This is flight level four ten, and this is coming to us from Cortland Brewery. Now, if you're a longtime listener, mm-hmm. you might remember us drinking Cortland Brewery beers and being like, eh, these aren't very good. They've totally rebranded themselves. They used to be like really bird-oriented beers. Beer and for birds. Beer for <laughs> birds. And on the like cheaper side. Right. We well, like the one. <laughs> <laughs> we did like a – I mean, there was a couple of their beers that were good value. And and even like their twelve pack, we had gotten their twelve pack a couple times. Mm-hmm. It was decent beer for the price, and they went away. I didn't miss them, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize that they were back until Paul said, "Oh, I got this bourbon aged barley wine," and I was like, "I love bourbon aged <laughs> barley wines." Mother then, of all storms, yes, please. And then I'm like, "This is from Cortland." I'm like the bird brew. When I handed you this, I'm like, this is the beer that will make me, like, basically call it. Like, I will say this brewery is dead to me if I do not love this beer. So this is bourbon barrel aged uh, flight level 410. This is a high gravity old style barley wine aged in bourbon barrels coming to you. 
in a tall boy can. Oh, good, because I thought that was spider noises. Spider noises. <laughs> uh, so this this can was uh, five dollars, four ninety nine, uh, plus five dollar or five cent deposit, not five dollar deposit. Woof. New York is crazy, not that crazy. Um, and it's it's a good barley wine. It's just not a good. It's a really good barley wine. It's not a good bourbon barrel aged barley wine because I have no. I am like the hobo that has no barrel. <laughs> like there I'm is nothing that streets. stands out for the barrel aging of this mm-hmm. beer. And I mentioned it off show while we were talking when we take a pee break yeah. between Chris and me talking a little. Why well, you tell me? You yell at me for every time I try to. Peek behind the curtain. And no, here you I are. like peeking behind the curtain. Uh, <laughs> this is a really, really, really good bar- barley wine. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's supposed to be "quote unquote" barrel aged, you don't get any of the barrel from I it. Nothing. I would pay the price for this when I'm in the mood for a barley wine because this is like almost a four star barley wine that I five could, dollars for I'd one sp- can. I'd spend wow if but one this can? is. It's yeah. a sixteen. It's a sixteen ounce can. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to drink a barley wine, like it's, it's just going to be me drinking a barley wine. I'm not talking about sharing it with you, Paul, for the show. Five dollars for a sixteen ounce barley wine? I'm in heaven. Like you're taking me to Chinatown. I'm, <laughs> I'm running around with all those skin ducks. It's crazy. The skin ducks. Sometimes yeah. I- hanging in windows. Hanging in windows. What are you? Never been to Chinatown? Apparently not. Paul, been to Chinatown. We went to Chinatown in, like, Philadelphia. We didn't go there. We kind of just, like, happened to, like, walk through it. But this happens. We drive through Chinatown every time we go to Indiel House, Paul. We drive through all the ducks. Sometimes I think they're geese. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. I would like to try the Flight Level 410 unbarrel aged because they do do that against this and see what is the difference between these two beers. Because ultimately you have a great barley wine with their barrel aged, but you have a bad barrel aged barley wine here. Hmm. But for barley wines, I think it's it's spot on. It's hard to, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a good barley wine. I just five dollars for five, one can. Five dollars for a sixteen ounce can of uh, what, like nine percent barley wine? I don't, yeah, I, I have no idea. I did not look at the APV. I so, can't find it. I'll uh, find it on, on tip. This isn't my phone. That's Kate's iPod. iPod. What's <laughs> it in front of me? Uh, so back to Paper Girls. Which paper is Girls about girls. Delivering yeah. newspapers? Have so, we even said that yet? Yeah, we, we, we talked about that. Um, 10%. We kind of got stuck on the delivery method of that paper, whether it was digital or physical. Um, Sorry, I derailed it. You, you derailed No, it's okay, because that's something that's worth like mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, back to the story, like Chris is saying. Yeah, uh, personally, I really love this book. Um I was going to try to avoid this kind of comparison as long as possible, but this is to comic books what Stranger Things is to 80s horror movies. This is very much in that same line. It's a group of kids in the 80s, so it is something of a 
period piece, like a little bit flashback mm-hmm. to the like late eighties. Uh, but just the craziness that can happen when you're a kid in the 1980s, because you know there's monsters everywhere. What I like, you now they're on bicycles, and to tie into Stranger Things is, you know, Coop saying, no, the kid wouldn't leave his bicycle, it's like a Mercedes to them. Uh, but other than that, like, and there's some tie-ins where they're like, yeah, my dad says that people won't be buying news- newspapers in like 10 years because everybody's going to get it from television. Because nobody, in the 80s, nobody knows about the internet other than, like, the really crazy people that have, like, you know, That are connecting their, for, yeah. their phone lines. To the BBS system, you know, so, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with it being, like, quote-unquote monsters. But this is, like, instead of being monster movies, it's time travel movies. Mm. Because they're going... There's moments where they go into the future, and then they're coming back to the present. But they're coming back to the present in the past for those one characters, but the characters have already seen the one thing that they've done. I'm lost now. When they, when, I might be when you first, aged. When you first, see, when you first see the time machine, mm-hmm. they oh, come yeah, yeah, upon yeah, okay, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got you. And then they go back to it because they're like, "That was the time machine." Mm-hmm. If it was here, then we got to go back. And then these it's time, a parachute. the time police that are there, which are like the adult kind mm-hmm. of people, like they're flying around on dinosaurs. Like it's it's got this crazy. It's it feels so crazy yet so grounded. And I think the reason it feels grounded is the character mm-hmm. conversations, the characters, right. and how they react and how they talk ground it and i think that's one of the great things that bkv does Mm -hmm. is the way that the people talk it might be the most insane circumstance that's happening but they're still reacting like people yeah everything that happens in this book i'm kind of like hit or miss on like the teen you know the the mutants being teenagers the people riding on pterodactyls that are also knights but not knights it's the four main characters together, interacting together, that is the heart of this book. Everything else is like the MacGuffin. And if if this book was all about them going around and being harassed by bullies, like real bullies, like for the day after Halloween, I'd equally be in versus the craziness that end up ends up happening. But like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's and it's subtle touches too. Like the art in this book is so good, but like the to be continued is mm-hmm. like video game font to be continued. Like those are just subtle touches. I keep on forgetting whether or not this book is in full color or black and white. Because honestly, I don't think the color adds anything to it. <laughs> That's because you're colorblind. Because. Uh-huh. The colorist to this book is one of it's the things... muted. Everything's muted. Yeah, no, everything's very muted, but it works so well. Like Everything's very subtle, because I think you have such a crazy out-there story with what you think is mm-hmm. monsters at the beginning, but then you find out they're just normal people, and then you find out that they've time-traveled in a spaceship, because you can't just travel in time. The Earth's constantly moving, so you kind of need a spaceship to do yeah, that. Yeah, I like that bit. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh my god, that's so clever. Why didn't nobody talk about that before? <laughs> well, they do um, in Doctor Who back in the old series. You, you had to travel in time and space. Uh, I, I think the color works so well with the art and the story because it's not beating you over the head with what mm-hmm. it's doing. It does just flow so nicely that it doesn't stick out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of the book, it is taking place at night, so you are having a lot more of like that muted color where it's like a lot of like purples and like blues and grays. And when the, uh, there is like a pop of color, it's to say somebody's reacting to something. Hmm. I didn't yeah. pick up on that at all. I'm just saying, you know, me personally, like I read and this. It, like it's like this page, like the action that's happening is that light in the top corner bursting. Yeah. And then the color is the action of them mm-hmm. seeing space because something has changed them. Yeah, yeah. Her getting hit is mm-hmm. yellow. Like, that's where the colors come is when you there's You know what? This action. might be another part where you're looking at the full page versus me looking at panel to panel. Where each, you know, if you zoomed in on that yellow panel, it would just be all yellow. Versus that yeah. panel that's all blue, all blue, all blue, all blue, all yellow. You know, it, this this book might as well have been reading it panel to panel, black and white for me. I'm glad it has the color, though. I think if it was black and white, like, yeah, the artwork would still be fantastic, but mm-hmm. the the color does make things stand out. Okay. I, I think the color is, the colorist is one-third of the storyteller here. You have Brian K. Vaughn, you have Cliff Chang, and you have the colorist. And I actually was trying to find who the colorist was. I want to say, just based off of what I'm seeing, it might be like Matt Hollingsworth, who's done a lot of stuff for um, David Aja, and who else? I'm blanking out. Yeah, that kind of makes sense with David Aja art, because it is, like, uh, you pick... Matt Wilson. He's done a lot of stuff with... um, Karen Gillan and okay, that makes sense. Oh, what's flat. his name? Karen Gillan does a lot of fl- you know his books. I think of very flat one tone colors. David Aja, I think of very muted colors. So it kind of that makes Jamie McKelvey. That's the artist's name. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think the colorist on this is one third of the storyteller. It just it's just me being me. You know, and, I, and Paul, I, I don't think that's you being you. I think that's maybe just read it as like a full page. Like, yeah, because I don't make, even make see the effort get to that tablet and just read this as full page, not from like panel to panel. Because I don't even remember swiping like right and seeing the full page and then going into the panels. Like I just remember with going Cliff Chang art like I even like panel to panel I would mm-hmm. switch when I was doing panel to panel to full view because the art was just like I was like man what is going on on this page like mm-hmm. his art on this book was just well, is just superb I didn't it didn't grab me as much as Wonder Woman I I and I, and, and I, I hate just, being me, I hate being me in this point because I know I'm being nitpicky and like and I hate coming off as so negative on this book because I did really enjoy it. Like, but I can't, you know, just to keep the conversation going. I feel like I have to bring up 
like my point of view, which yeah, is then you, you know, and you should always you should always bring up your point of views, which is like okay, yeah, but I never felt the need to like I kept on wanting to go to the next panel to next panel to keep the book going because I really like the rhythm and the flow yeah. until I hit the end where I was like ooh that end when it's like when I'm it's like, her, heavy. it's the main like kind of the main character you're following in the future being like that's my name. Well, that's that's the lead into the next trade, but like I felt like it had a really good rhythm, rhythm and flow until the last panel of each book, which I already mentioned, and then I would quickly get through it to to get into the story again, and I'm like, yes, I'm in. I want to see these four characters interacting, and the the art never, you know, I just kind of glossed over it because. I didn't even realize it was Cliff Chang, honestly. I was really, like, I'm, like, sure. I'm surprised. And I love Cliff Chang art. And I was like, I think and like, the color, I just it kind of glossed over because I was so invested in the story, I think, that I just wanted to keep reading it. And this isn't, this is a book that I read. I had a week off. <laughs> so I like picked it up to, I'm like, oh, I need to read this book. I'm going to read it. And I just, I just tore through it. Like, I, oh, was, I couldn't put it down. I was gluttonous with it. But I as like, as I like, got back into it and read that first issue. I was like, I I love this book. Why why did I not keep up on it? And then as soon as every single issue ended, I'm like, all right, like here, here we go. And then as soon as I got to the end of it, I was like, wait, that, that's it. There's no more. I I stopped. <laughs> I, I stopped myself from buying all the rest of the <laughs> issues because I was like, I know I'm going to talk about those yeah. when we talk about this because I hate. Those are the moments I hate when we talk about something that we've read past what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I stopped myself from doing that. But after this, boom, they're downloaded and they're read. Yeah. Because one great story, the story yeah. going through, and I don't like, I really don't want to give anything away because, you know, when you think the book's going to go left, it goes right. Like it's just zigzags all over the place. And. When you figure some of the like, I think well, the biggest zag is at the end, at the end of the first issue. Yeah, because you, I mean, who saw that happening? I did not. That's the only one that I didn't see. Like, okay, the mutants are team. Like, it didn't meant nothing to me at that point. Really? You know, there's a lot of there's no, a lot of stuff. At, at, I mean, at that point, like, you think you know you're dealing with like space alien monsters, and then you find out like, no, they're just they're just people, and you don't even get like their entire story. Like, I. I thought that was really interesting. When he dropped the thing, because it's, what is it, in the first issue, like, she picks up an Apple iPod. Like It's in, not an Apple iPod, it's just like a an Apple Square. Yeah, I think that's, a, a like, symbol. one of the, the first Apple, you know, that first video iPod that was all square, like, that weird one. Well, there's no screen on it, it's just, like, it looks like a, a chip or some kind of RAM or a computer or something. Like, I never took it as an iPod. Okay, yeah, well, it's then just like, it's the a, Apple it's TV. It's indeterminate Apple product. Yeah. The Apple TV. And, like, pod, when you see you know? the person who's, like, in charge of these elders who are controlling everything, time and space, mm-hmm. and he's wearing an Apple shirt. Yeah. You know? But he's got that, oh, like... Oh, Tim Cook, you're such a dick. But then he's got, like, the, like, third eye... Well, that was, that's actually an Apple Records shirt, and Apple mm-hmm. Records was responsible for recording the Beatles. And they, Apple and Apple Records, went had a long lawsuit during uh, the launch of Apple, or the uh, iPod. Oh, is that why we didn't get the Beatles on yes. iTunes for, like, 
Yes, that is actually why because they because Apple computers signed a, a agreement that they, they would never get into music publishing in order to have Apple computers uh, as their uh, as their name. And then once the iPod and uh, Apple Music became a thing, you know, the downloadable service, like that, Apple Records had a lawsuit against Apple computing. Interesting. I'm so, talking shit about computer. Thumb, thumbs up for oh, yeah, Paper yeah. Girls? Yeah, I kept on reading it. I kept on, like, just wanting it and wanting more of the story. It's the everything else that I kind of glossed over. And... I, just every time I ended an issue, since I'm reading it in trade, like every time I ended to the end, hit the end of an issue, I'm like, oh, this is the end of the issue. Like it kind of clunked for me, and I talked about that like yeah. 40 minutes ago, I, I'm, 10 minutes I'm, ago. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to wrap everything up. Mm-hmm. See exactly because you, it's like a it's you on that side of the table, me and Chris on this side of the table, like always. But I'm trying to say that yeah, yeah. you oh, yeah. you did like it. And I feel bad because I'm bringing up the. Would you I, think like if I start buying this book completely in I'm issues, gonna, would it be something that you would hop over and read in issues? I'd rather read it in big lots because but I then don't you think would, you I don't would, think the but, issues give me enough. Would you, because issue but, one did not give me enough. Would you then because you're reading this book, then choose to try to read it on your tablet so you could get that full page and really get yeah. into the book because. There's obviously something that you are missing that Chris and I both got from this. I think book. you guys have like that little like sprinkle of like good, like sprinkle of goodness, <laughs> like that little extra bam from Emerald. You know, Emerald Live talking have, about 1980s. We have the Was ability to look thing? back at great 80s things and nostalgia and stuff like that. And uh, well, you just have that, that little bit we, of bam. We grew up with that stuff though, and like Paul, like you were kind of kept sequestered from that. I you, feel. Maybe. Like but like eighties no, movies, like oh yeah, I didn't watch. Like John, my like that's our wheelhouse. Like that's what we we lived on. Yeah, we grew up. We grew up through all of this. Yeah, but eighties sci-fi is where I grew up. But this is kind of eighties everything else, yeah. as well as that. You needed, you know, you need the. F- this has such a great eighties feel, and that's why I'm surprised. Like you like. Uh, Stranger um, Things. Stranger Things. Like so it's a great. Oh, good! I can't wait until next issue or episode where we talk all about Stranger Things. I feel like I need to rewatch it an entire week. I I really do want to rewatch it. Like I've been kind of like holding off on it because I literally just finished it like a couple days ago. I'm like, it's too soon to rewatch it. Oh, as soon as I saw Barbara, I, I really want to rewatch dead. it. Um, and Chris, you'd give it a without. I think this is one of the books we talk the least about story-wise, just because I really would want, want somebody to read this and not hear or know yeah, anything that happens. I know we gave away like more than I would have liked to, but it's stuff that just came up in conversation, because this book gets like a strong thumbs up for me. Like It's something that I really enjoyed the first issue. It took me back to what I loved about like mm-hmm. those 1980s movies. Um like Stand By Me or The Goonies, where it's just four kids on a crazy adventure that kind of takes them in over their heads. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, you, did, okay. you, did you reread issue one, or did you skip ahead? I, I reread issue number one just because it's it had been a while mm-hmm. since I did read it. I was like, oh, you know what, I'll just start from the beginning. Like, I forgot. 
I don't want to say everything that happened, but I didn't remember it starting off with like that nightmare sequence. I didn't remember oh. that either. But yeah. like I, I originally thought like when I started rereading, I was like, oh, is this like extra content that I didn't see before? But then as soon as she wakes up in that bunk bed with her sister, I was like, oh no, like this, this was a thing. This was here. I, I, I just had to get like reacclimated to it. I reread it and I'm like, okay, that's why I didn't really like this series because it felt like it took a while to get going. And then once it got going, I was like, yes, yes, yes. But it's definitely that last panel of that of the that trade where I'm like, where are they going? <laughs> because to me, it's Brian K. Vaughn. It could go absolutely anywhere. Because I wish this was a limited series, though, that I knew there was definitely an end that he's working towards. Versus, I think he knows where oh, the yeah. he knows where the end is. It's the same thing with Saga, like. See, you, Saga, I don't trust. Oh my god! Like I don't trust Saga. Saga, I like. I am hooked with all of those characters, and I'm waiting to see where or when this is end. If he says it's going to end at issue forty, I'm like, okay, well, it'll just wrap up, and hopefully, the way it wraps up, it gives me peace with this series. Mm-hmm. But even if he just kept going, I would be happy. I would read this till I was in my fifties. Paper Girls almost the same way is as long as the story keeps moving with these characters mm-hmm. and even if you lose a character and you gain a new one I'm there with these people through from the 80s to now in being in present time to whenever or wherever yeah. they're going to go I did also, not it's illegal to wear earbuds while driving by the way I did not I did not expect this after reading that first issue, to be a time travel series. Yeah. I did not see that coming at all. I thought it was going to be aliens and Russians and who knows yeah. what. Uh, they talk about the Russians a lot because it, it's a period piece. You know? mm-hmm. That's what we worried about. And, it, it works. Uh, yeah. I, I, I dig this book. This is one of those books that I'm glad exists. Um, and it just solidifies Brian K. Vaughan as like, just one of my favorite writers. So, if you enjoyed this episode of us discussing a book that you should read so you know what the hell we're talking about, like us and review us over on the iTunes. And follow us on Facebook. And what else can they do, Chris? Uh, They should check out the show notes for this episode over at baggingboard.com, where you can, if for some reason you're not listening to this one, but you can stream this episode or any of the other ones that we've put up recently. Uh, You can see all of our picks for the list, that wonderful dramatic reading panel panel that Paul so lovingly brought to life. I'm so hoping that skittering uh, spider sound comes through. Because I started it, and then John started laughing at me, and then I couldn't stop, so I couldn't read. I was not expecting that, and that's that's half the fun about those dramatic readings. I just want to be a voiceover actor so hard. (laughs) 